Welcome to the H&H Hour podcast. I am one of your hosts, Heidi Bolt. This is my co-host, Heather Taves. Hi, Heather. Hello. So we're sitting in your really fun office. Yep. We've got some awesome guests tonight. I know. I'm super excited about super excited. these particular guests. Yes, we have more than one. Um, but before we launch in, we want to just welcome you to this new series. Yes. This is called The Ordinary Guys. We've never really done a series before. No. And who knows if we'll do one again. We probably will. We probably will. But we thought, you know, we have so many men that listen to our show, we which do. is really incredible. Yeah. And I love that when we started this, both of our husbands said, don't put yourselves in a box. Yeah. Don't limit yourself to just being um, a show for moms or a show for women. And so we decided that we would, we would not do that. Well, and one of the things I love is that our men are not like, they don't listen in hiding they let us know that they're listening. Yeah. And I love that so much. We hear yeah. from a lot of them yeah. um, just sharing like they either listen on their commute to work or with their wife and mm-hmm. that it creates really good dialogue for them and their wife. Shout and out to Mike. <laughs> shout, shout, shout out, out to, to Ryan. <laughs> shout out to Than. Um, Isaac, Matt, like all of, yeah. all of the guys. Like I think it's so cool that these men and Kip and Chris, I think it's so cool that they are listening and being a part of this of this podcast. Right. So we wanted to do a series where we just focused on the men, mm-hmm. where we said, what do ordinary men, mm-hmm. how do they answer these questions? Yeah. And how do they feel about living their lives, um, viewing it through a lens, like we talk about all the time, where ordinary is extraordinary. Mm-hmm. And the things that you do every single day can be extraordinary if you view it through the, a different lens. That's right. So that's what we're doing. So welcome to the Ordinary Guys series on the H&HR podcast. We want to welcome our first guest. We have Kip Bolt, who is my husband. Good afternoon, ladies. And we have Chris Taves, who is Heather's husband. Good morning, ladies, because I usually listen in the morning. Okay, as I say, where are we? (laughs) We don't know. We're wherever you want to (laughs) be. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having us. Well, and you've both been here before as guests. So this Were, Were we the first guest? You were the first were. guest. I think we Aww. were. Aww. That's special. You yeah, were the is. most important guest. Yes. That yes. was many episodes ago. Two uh, years ago. Yes. Wow. Yeah. So happy two years. All of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're best friends, the four of us. We do life together. We do ministry together. And now we podcast together. Absolutely. Occasionally. <laughs> Heather and I often. We don't, we don't invite them on all the time. <laughs> so we were coming into the studio and... Chris tried to sit in my chair. I know. I was like, wait, get out of her chair. This is our show. You go to the guest side. I'm sorry. I'm joking. I've humbled myself and come to the guest side. No, it's mostly because our voices are more similar and yours are, so it's a mic thing. Yes. Otherwise, I would have let you have your chair. All good. Okay, guys. So we obviously know everything about you guys, I think. Almost everything, hopefully. <laughs> um, but our listeners might not. So taking turns, why don't each of you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay. Um, my name's Chris. I'm married to the most beautiful world woman in the entire world. And wow. That's impressive. originally <laughs> from Canada. Your wife or you? No, I'm originally from Canada. Oh, okay. I had to come to, well, she had to come to Canada to find me. Actually, we met in Manitoba, mm-hmm. Winnipeg, Manitoba, in a snowstorm in 1997, mm. and uh, I saw her come down the escalator in the Winnipeg airport, and nothing, you know, everything changed. Which that, that airport has been demolished. It's been demolished. That's it's been so sad. Torn down, and then they rebuilt something. That's prophetic, right there. Okay, yeah. there you go. So, um, 
Yeah, boy. Now, see, I start talking about you and I just lose all train of thought. Know, what do you do for a job? What do I do for a job? I, I've been working for a company called Excel Foundry and Machine for the last 15 years. I am uh, was the global sales director to recently got a title change. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me see if I can remember it. Global Order Handling and Strategic Development Director. Okay. That is a very large title. It's a lot of letters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. So essentially uh, in the sales group responsible for uh, handling orders as they come in and uh, inventory management and strategic relationships around the world with uh, repair centers and different dealers. Hmm. Okay. And what do you do outside of your job? Um, I help lead a church. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love building the kingdom in all different avenues through business and um, love seeing church unity. I'm very focused on that right now. And I love the city of Peoria and seeing the kingdom grow through that. Awesome. Very cool. Kit Bolt? I am Kit Bolt. Thank you, Heather. Um, also known as Jeff by the baristas <laughs> at Starbucks. <laughs> okay, tell them what you just told me on date night. Yeah, literally, um, apparently my name sounds like Jeff if uh, I say it into a microphone at any Starbucks globally. <laughs> And uh, in fact, today stopped and got a Starbucks, uh, repeated my name twice, as is usually the case, and uh, got my coffee. And just out of um, curiosity, looked at the sleeve to see if they got my name right. And in fact, it said Jeff on the coffee. This is not a joke. (laughs) This has happened to you so so many many times. It's, yeah, yeah. So, um, but I am married to one half of the H&H Hour, Heidi specifically. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've been married for 14 years, which is hard to believe. I still feel like I'm about 21 or 22 uh, in my mind. Um, I don't, honey. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I can't say yeah. that I In do. my mind, I feel that way. My body thinks that it's about 70. Um, and uh, I work for a company called Hewlett Packard Enterprise. I'm a territory account manager. Or uh, when explaining to folks that aren't familiar with really anything related to technology, I sell computers for a living. <laughs> And uh, we have three wonderful children, uh, Crosley, Wilder, and Collins. And um, yeah, just loving life, living life. Outside of work, uh, we also are in ministry uh, together, have been since the day I met her. Mm -hmm. Wasn't really sure what that looked like when I signed up for the uh, program, but... um, (laughs) The program meaning like the Heidi spirit? The the Heidi Heidi program. (laughs) But uh, it's been an incredible experience, yeah. and um, I'm a passionate outdoorsman, and uh, yeah. You just recently achieved something in your hunting season, right? I did, yeah. Mm-hmm. We um, So my wife is incredibly gracious and incredibly patient and lets me uh, go on a walkabout usually for about oh, seven God. to ten days every year. <laughs> Uh, just reset. I do re- like that he said seven to ten days. Yeah. Re- recharge, <laughs> recharge the batteries, and uh, so uh, it was a tough season this year, but we were able to to get a deer, which is great because it feeds our family mm-hmm. and uh, also feeds extended family that come over and 
Um, when Blake hears this, Blake, I've got some tenderloin with your name on it. So <laughs> now season's not over yet, right? So there's possibility for more. It is not. Yeah, we. So um, as our family has grown, the need for more mm-hmm. deer has grown. So I have literally a grocery list of folks, including yourself, yes. that are interested in having a deer for their freezer. So see, I have some friends who just told me they have two deer that are in their bucks, huge yeah. bucks, that are in their backyard every time they drive in and they like greet them and I was like well it's private property right and she said yes and I said well my my brother-in-law is going to come over and shoot them to which she said oh no they're our pets yes oh my word so okay yeah Sorry. don't I don't tried. get me started on I that tried. but uh yeah <laughs> no um yeah absolutely we have um at least uh, another uh, few deer that need to be um yes harvested for yes. families so. or caught as many people say yes Did you catch a deer? Catching, <laughs> catching deer yes we tend to not let them go when we catch them but awesome okay guys well we're really excited to have you here um i think mainly because we know your hearts and we know how you live your lives and how you view the world around you but i think you both have such unique perspectives on that mm-hmm. and so um, you've answered these questions before on the hnhr but we want to ask again for people who haven't heard your answers Tell us something about yourself or your life that feels very ordinary. Um, and this is the hardest question because I, I like the extraordinary question better. Mm-hmm. No one likes this question. I know because you have to actually deal with your ordinary feelings, which I just, I do. I feel very ordinary in and of myself. I feel like an ordinary guy that gets up and does an ordinary job and comes home to an ordinary family. And, uh, I mean, that's what I feel like without Jesus. Hmm. Um, but I really try not to live in that ordinary state. That's probably why I don't like that ordinary question. Hmm. Yeah. Just to piggyback off that, you know, I mean, from the perspective of the fact, from the perspective of we're all sons and daughters of the King, there's nothing about us that's ordinary. Um, and we all understand that and we all appreciate that. But that being the case, it doesn't change the fact that there are days that you feel ordinary mm-hmm. and you feel like you are no different than anybody else. And so um, the way that I kind of view this question when when you guys shared it is, is that this is a bit of a thought exercise, right? It's a bit of a, hey, you understand and you appreciate really your place in the kingdom, but you still have to wrestle with that feeling of the ordinary. And so to kind of not to have the same answer as Chris, but it really is the same answer, right? And I think it echoes in a lot of people's minds and hearts is that how am I different? Um, for me particularly, you know, for me specifically, it's, I just, um, man, I'm a homebody and I want to be at home. I don't want to go out. I want to be with the people I'm comfortable with. I want to go to work. I want to come home. I want to have dinner. I want to hang out with my kids and I want to do it today and I want to do it tomorrow and I want to do it the next day. And that's a very ordinary life. Um, but I think there's also a lot of beauty in that. And mm-hmm. so while it is ordinary, um, it is something that I'm very comfortable with and I'm okay, say, I guess, saying and claiming that. I love your answer, Kit, because you really, you kind of just explained the point of this podcast is that we all feel ordinary mm-hmm. and we all see ourselves as ordinary. 
but it's when we start to view our ordinary as something extraordinary. Mm-hmm. That it doesn't have to be this big fireworks show or this crazy adventure to be amazing, to be something that, that you can find fulfilling every single day. So I love yeah. that answer. Okay, on the flip side of that, what would you say about yourself? And I think this is, I want to clarify this. Not what do other people say is extraordinary about yourself. What do you say is extraordinary yeah, about yourself? that's good. Um, so I'll just, uh, I'll finish up. So, um, for me, so because this is the second time we've been on the podcast, um, the first answer I gave is that I feel that the best part about me is actually my spouse, Heidi. Um, and I still feel that way. Um, but since this is the 2.0 podcast, I'll give a different answer. And, and that is, um, that, uh, there's kind of the, the main, the main thing that I find unique. I'll use the word unique. The thing that I find unique about myself is that I have um, a unique ability um, to see and appreciate multiple perspectives on any given topic, whether that's faith or religion or politics or you name it. I have an ability to not only just see where somebody is coming from, but really appreciate it, almost to a crippling mm-hmm. um degree. For example, you know, somebody says to me, this is what I, you know, believe about some particular topic and and I'll agree with them a hundred percent. And then I'll open myself up to someone who shares a competing perspective. And I'm like, man, that's also a really good perspective. And, um, I feel if I could speak candidly, I I feel like it's something that I, I wish more people could, um, learn to, to do. Mm -hmm. Um, not to say that understanding where somebody comes from is endorsing where they come from, mm-hmm. but but putting yourself in their shoes, so mm-hmm. to speak, and, and, be, and yeah. being able to appreciate, you know, their upbringing, the challenges that they went through as a child, their worldview, and, and kind of weighing that into how you then filter that into how you um, see the world. So I, I, I think that that's something that not everybody can do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's something that God has blessed me with the ability to do. And um, it's something that I hope to hone uh, over the years. So, Have you taken the Enneagram test? I've not. I, you've you've I think, asked me to. and I, That's I our next date. I think yeah. you might be a nine. Yeah. I thought you were a different number, but now I think maybe you're a nine. Well, if that's no, on just... a scale of one to ten, I'm excited about that. <laughs> it's not. It's sorry, not. Okay. It's not weighted. Right. If right. it was nine to ten. No, it's just interesting 10. because that's one of the traits of nines is that they're able to see, sometimes to their own detriment, yep. that they're able to see everyone else's viewpoint yeah. and that almost they lose their own yep. sometimes in spite of it. And that just when you saying that made me go, oh. Maybe that he's, maybe a nine. he's a nine. I would say mm. that that's probably the case, but yeah. I'm a nine. That, it's are a you nine. a nine? Are you a nine? Yeah. And that's probably why we get along so well. And yes, we're eights. eights. We're both eights. Yeah. So, <laughs> shocker. The yeah. bulldozers of yeah. the world. Yeah, yes. yes. right. And get it done. Listen, get it done, son. Eights, oh, eights like... are beautiful when they're healthy. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah. are nines. Yeah. yeah, that's right. <laughs> okay, Chris. So, what is extraordinary? What do you feel is extraordinary about you? Um, It's a great question. I. I'll go back to the ordinary question because I feel they're so interlocked. Mm-hmm. I feel like for the last 41 years, I've been on a journey of finding out who I am mm. and a journey of identity. And I feel like it's like Jacob wrestling with God and mm. it's not over yet. Yes. But I feel like I have um, in the last five some years, I've finally 
really become confident in who God made me to be. Mm-hmm. And I know, you know, even in the last few months, I've heard Jesus speak to me so clearly about who I am. Mm-hmm. And in September, I won't go into the whole story, but he, he told me, he said, step into the authority and anointing that you have. Mm-hmm. And I said, yes, sir. Mm-hmm. And um, I believe that I'm an apostle. Um, one that's been called out to, to be sent out. I also know that I, I can see things that a lot of people can't see. Uh, I'm, I'm prophetic in that way. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I believe, as an apostle, I believe that we're called to be fathers and mothers. And like Abraham, I'm, I'm called to be a father. Mm-hmm. Um, like a spiritual father. A spiritual father, yeah. yeah. Obviously, I'm a father to my children, yeah. but a, yes, thanks for clarifying. A spiritual father um, to to a city, mm. um, to, to Peoria specifically. Um, and, you know, with Abraham, God was looking for a son, but he was also looking for a son to become a father. Mm. And fathers create, obviously have sons and daughters, and yeah. they create, or they're supposed to create more fathers and mothers. Mm-hmm. And God's always a, a God of multiplication. Um, but I, I feel like with that that fathership and that ability to see, um, Romans 14 or 417 says this very well. It's talking about Abraham. Paul's talking about Abraham. And he says, I've appointed you to be a father to many nations. So Abraham is our father in the eyes of God in whom he had faith the God who gives life to the dead and calls things that don't exist into existence. And I believe I have this extraordinary ability to see things as though they should be, mm-hmm. see things as though God sees them that don't necessarily exist in the natural yet, mm-hmm. but that are coming. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what I'm stepping into. Wow. I love that answer. Both of those answers are so good, guys. Mm-hmm. So good. Okay. So we're going to actually ask you guys some hard questions. Um, because Good. I think that so many people need to hear the hard answers. Mm-hmm. They need to hear the real answers, the raw the answers, raw answers yep. not just what is expected, you know, not just the pat answer, but the, yeah. the raw answers. And we know you guys will give us those. Um, so you ready to get into it? Yeah, absolutely. Bring it. Okay. Is it hard to be a man who follows Jesus in today's culture? And what does it look like specifically for you? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it's hard. <laughs> Yeah. 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 Um, you know, when I was thinking about this, when you guys sent me this question, I was thinking about it. Um, the, the thing is, right, is like you look at it over the so you, so you have to look at it acutely where we live today and then also over the course of human history. And, and, and I would argue that at least in our culture today in the United States of America that on the spectrum of husbands and fathers, we have it the easiest to live a Christ following life of anybody. Hmm. Nobody is actively persecuting us. Nobody is actively persecuting our families. Mm -hmm. Generally we can speak about our relationship with Jesus without any objections. Yeah. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's easy though. Um, we definitely live in a culture that, um, doesn't always look favorable on people that 
have a relationship with Jesus. And so to answer your question, yes, it's hard. Um, and I would say that it is, at least for me, the hardest is where I spend the majority of my time, which is at work, right? So um, I have the blessing now in my current role to work from home, um, which is incredible and um, has minimized um, the, it's minimized the impact of what I'm about to share. But I think for a lot of men, um, they get up, they go to a job every day, whether that's the office or the factory or they're out on the road. And when you submit yourself to that environment, um, the reality is that the majority of those environments are not um, positive environments. And so you're, you're really kind of a sheep among wolves and it requires a lot of, um, it just requires a lot of yourself to routinely and constantly affirming what you believe, who you're representing. And um, in fact, I had uh, someone who I haven't talked to in years come to church this past week and he, he came up to me and he, he shared this incredible story that um, he had moved out of state um, to pursue a job. And he shared that he had wanted to call me many times to have a conversation about how he navigates life in the workforce. And um, the reason he had wanted to call me is because before he had left, I said, hey, you know, this is going to be your biggest challenge. This is being a Christ follower amongst people who don't not only don't believe in Jesus, but don't even want to hear about him yeah. is going to be your most difficult challenge. And he encountered that. And he was sharing that, in fact, they were moving back um, in part because he had had this just epiphany that that it had become so toxic in his workplace that he couldn't like he, he wanted to be a light to people, but it became so toxic at one point that he just said, I, I can't I can't. It's it's. I'm being polluted versus mm. the other direction. Mm. And um, and I think that's the case for a lot of men, you know, and, and, and candidly, I, I would say it's the same for me when, when I would go to the office or whatever. My biggest challenge was is like every day you'd get up and you go, OK, I'm going to be the person that I know I'm called to be. And then you get to the office and it's within minutes. There's this this, this toxic culture, whether it's lewd conversations or you know, profanity or people looking at things that they shouldn't be looking at or people doing things that they shouldn't be doing. And it just, it's, it immediately hits you. And so at least I think for the majority of men in our culture in this time of age, like that is the challenge. Like, mm -hmm. how do you, how do you be, to use Christianese words, how do you be a godly man mm -hmm. in a culture that doesn't value it yeah. in a day-to-day -day deluge of going to the office and working like if you can find one person that values what you value man you like count yourself lucky yeah you know? yeah it's i it's a battle it's um it's that battle of ordinary versus extraordinary and i feel like i'm in the middle of that right now i i feel like i'm daniel in babylon or <laughs> trying to be daniel in babylon <laughs> um in daniel here you got a guy that's been taken away his family was probably killed 
he was probably castrated and he and his friends were taken away to a foreign country. They were renamed with new names and made to serve an evil king. And even today, the question that stunned me today in a conversation that we had is, how do you serve an how do you honor an evil king like Daniel did? Mm. Because he did. Mm -hmm. Yet he was so grounded in the truth and in Jesus that he was 10 times smarter than any of the other magicians and sorcerers, so much so that Nebuchadnezzar put him in charge of all the evil sorcerers. Like, just imagine that for a second. Hmm. So, yeah, I, I have 10-minute segments where I feel like I'm doing great like Daniel, and ten minute, then the next 10 minutes I'm failing. Mm -hmm. And um, it, it's literally a battle between this ordinary, extraordinary warrior <laughs> mm. or failure mm. depending on which 10 minutes I'm living in and um, but it's a great opportunity for because I know my heart's being worked on and there's there's something stirring and there's a there's a reason why um, you know it's I was reading Daniel just a little bit tonight and you know he served so many different kings until um, the first year of King Cyrus but yeah, I'm just processing that right now. And mm. um, it's all I can say is it, it's a daily battle where you go and pick up your sword and bring your armor. And, and the thing that I've, uh, this is fresh on my mind, but Jesus, when he sent his apostles out, he said, bring nothing of yourself, bring all of me, and then go bring peace, which is the presence of the goodness of God. And that peace that you bring, which is, which is him, that encounters different spirits that are not him and that creates conflict so it, you're going to have conflict if you're representing yeah. jesus mm -hmm. there's going to be conflict mm -hmm. now your job is just to bring the presence and the peace in. you're a carrier of that presence um, but to navigate that man that's a daily you got to have the holy spirit yeah right there beside you like well you got to be listening leaning in ready to go at all moments and like i said i'll fail five in five minutes and then i'll i'll win the next five minutes yeah. mm -hmm. I love that you both talked about the struggle because I think sometimes people can look at guys like yourself who are great husbands, great dads, leaders in the church, good jobs, successful in, you know, really every lane that you run in um, and then say, what's well, just easy for them. Yeah. And I love that you pointed out that it's a daily battle yeah. and it's not something that either of you are immune to succumbing to mm -hmm. that battle. Mm -hmm. You know, there, there might be those days where you don't represent Jesus in your workplace or to your children or to your wife or to your friend the way that that you desire to represent Jesus. And I just think that, you know, every man that is listening that might hear your voices can probably relate to that so much because it is. It's daily. Hmm. It's not a one time decision. Yeah. It's not like, okay, now I've got it all figured out. It's a daily battle. Yeah. When yeah. um when Joshua and the children of Israel crossed the Jordan River into the promised land, like remember the, the Israel had wandered for 40 years in disobedience and punishment, and then they crossed into, into the promised land. Well, even though they were in the promised land, it, it wasn't over. They still had to fight a, va a battle. Yeah. And they fought from a place of victory because God said, I'm, I'm going before you. But it was 31 kings they had and cities they needed to destroy, and it took them eight years. Mm-hmm. So I was reminded this week, like 
yeah, I'm in the promised land, but it's still a battle. Yeah. Yeah. So what about you causes you to feel like you're being a good dad or a good husband? Oh, that's a, <laughs> that's a tough question. <laughs> um, we told you they were hard. Yeah. No. And I, I just told you that the night, no, like what was super sexy yeah, about you being a dad. I know. And that's actually part of my answer. No. Okay. And I even had the questions ahead of time. Um, you know, I think it's different for every dad. Right. And I think, um, I think, I think this is just part of human nature, right? You, as children, we look at the shortcomings of our parents, even if they were incredible parents, like we all had, um, you look at those shortcomings and you're like, okay, how can I be better? How, how can I, how can I not, um, how can I not make that mistake? Mm -hmm. And the, the cruel reality is, is that I think often in the attempt to avoid that mistake, you end up making another mistake mm -hmm. that unfortunately your children will probably seize upon mm -hmm. and then they will focus on that mistake to try to not make. But that's kind of a, a nuanced conversation. But um, for me, um, I just try really hard to be present in my family's life. Um, my parents were separated at a young age, divorced, um, a very uh, nasty divorce. Um, you were five, right? By all accounts, yeah, uh, five years old. Um, and it was just a very toxic relationship. And it it persisted for, you know, over a decade after they separated. And um, I mean, even even today, I'm 37 years old. So, you know, what do the simple math 32 <laughs> years ago, um, and it's still difficult for them to even be in a room together. Um, but so I, I'm very cautious to weigh judgment on them um, going through that situation and, and knowing what little I know of, of the reasons that they separated and, and everything. But, but that being said, um, as a father, I want to be very present in my, in my family's life. And that, that means not just being physically present, but trying really hard to be mentally and emotionally present. Um, and I'm not always perfect at it as husbands and fathers, not to say that it's different for, for, um, wives and moms, but, there's just so much on our mind, so much responsibilities, just the weight of leading our families. And so oftentimes our minds can drift into, you know, areas when you're physically present, but emotionally and mentally you're not there. Yeah. Um, but just just making sure that that my children especially know that I'm, I'm there, I'm present, I want to be present. I want them to know that, you know, I love them more than anything in the world, uh, that I would do anything for them. Um, and the same way, you know, with Heidi and, and, and our marriage being, being present and not just physically present, but being emotionally there for her. So yeah. it's so good. It's a great answer. I often joke that, um, we need to have a fund for our children for counseling yeah. for when they get to the point where they're like, these are all the ways that mom and dad screwed us oh, up yeah. <laughs> and then they can access that fund. It's, it's brutal and humiliating, isn't it? It's yeah. just like, it's yeah. like. Man, even, I mean, all of us, we had incredible parents, all yeah. of us did, even, even with their shortcomings. It's yeah. like, man, when you look at the spectrum of parents that are out there, 
we're so blessed. All, all of us are. And, um, you know, what I think the really great news is though, you become a parent yourself and you realize, Oh my goodness. My parents were so amazing. So much, yeah. so much grace. There, <laughs> yeah, right? you're, so just, good. you're just yeah. like, yeah. Oh, but I how... feel like you have to be a parent before you realize how yeah. awesome your oh, parents absolutely. were. It's, it's yeah. like that yeah. old joke. Like you yeah. never take advice from people who don't have kids. It's, it's like you, once you have kids, you're just like, Oh, okay. mom and dad, thank you for not smothering me with Killing a pillow me. as a child yeah. you know yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a yeah. joke but yeah yeah you just right. it's it's a new appreciation yeah. well you should know that when you were on your hunting trip last week your daughter was sick so she's our two-year-old which you know and um she was awake multiple times every night and every night asked when is my daddy coming home <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> which was really so sweet because she is used to you being present. Mm -hmm. And I loved that because it was, you know, here she was in our bed, which is, doesn't usually happen. Mm -hmm. And she knew that you were missing. And yeah. I just was like, man, I'm so glad that she knows daddy's missing. You yeah. know, I'm so glad that she knows to ask, why isn't he here right now? And it wasn't a thing of like, um, you know, putting blame on you, but like she was so used to your consistency. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I loved that. Yeah. But then That's I good. got home and like, she wants nothing. She to wants do mom. With you. Yeah. She wants mommy. But I mean, mommy's her hero. Yeah. So. No, it's good. Yeah. What about you, Chris? Yeah, actually, I had the same answer as Kip. I, I I was thinking about that earlier, and I totally agree with you. It's, but I I came about it a bit different way. I I was thinking I want what does my heavenly Father want from me, and He wants to spend time with me, mm -hmm. right, and. That's the same thing that, that my children want from me, my spouse wants from me, is my presence. My, my, I was working uh, from home today, and uh, my son kept asking me over the course of a few hours, Hey, Dad, would you play hockey with me? Play would you play hockey with me? And, um, you know, I, I, I eventually did, and, and I wanted to, but that's what it is. It's, it's about spending time, and it, does, it doesn't matter what that time looks like. But I also think it's like together family time is great and that's important, like the whole family. But I also also think like individual one-on-one, -on -one. like mm -hmm. it's so when you spend or have those moments in your life when you've really encountered Jesus, like in that one-on-one -on -one moment, um, there's something just so special about it. And the mm -hmm. same thing with like taking your daughter on a daddy date mm -hmm. and taking your son on a special date, taking your wife on that like that rhythm of those times mm -hmm. where you can just spend concentrated presence where there's nothing interfering and you can look in their eyes and have communication and that's what bonds people together yeah that's really good okay so on the flip side of that what what are things that have you feel like you failed at in being it, a dad and yeah. in being a husband oh man um for me it's it's just blatantly obvious and my guess is it's probably the same for a huge portion of men and that's just patience it's like uh just i i, I mean I, my brother-in-law chris here who i love to death has god gave him just an incredible <laughs> amount of patience um which i'm often jealous of but uh it, it just you know as someone who uh, tends to be a bit OCD. Um, having three very young children can push all the right buttons. And uh, 
So just uh, just learning that process of of being okay with mess and chaos and hecticness and loudness and all the things that that come with three kids. I, we talk often about your guys's mom seven. I don't um, know how she didn't drink a lot of wine uh, <laughs> raising seven children. Um, but, uh, yeah, definitely patience. You know, it's just something that, um, I think a lot of guys struggle with and, um, that, that kind of transition hour coming home from work. Mm-hmm. Well, especially re- for you, cause you have a home office. So your transition is about 15 steps. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it, that's you know, been an, an adjustment mm-hmm. yeah, for you. Yeah. For us. It's, it's like, it, it's hard to explain it. I'm sure Chris can probably appreciate that, but you, you go from one totally different world. You come home, rather you're coming down from upstairs office or you're driving home 15 or 30 minutes, or even if you have an hour, that, that transition period, you come home and now like all of your priorities switch. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, yeah. and almost on, you know, the flick of a switch, you mm-hmm. have to go from thinking about all these business related things to now, you know, hopefully it was a great day at home. Hopefully the kids are in a great mood. Hopefully, you let's know, be honest, it's like good. poopy diapers and sippy cups in yeah. our world. Yeah, it's just a totally, <laughs> I mean, it's not even changing gears. I mean, you're changing universes. Yeah. And, um, and so it, it can be difficult and um, just having the patience with, with kids as they're young and, and all the things that come along with that. So I would say for me, at least, um, patience is, is something that, that I struggle with. And, and, and my wife has actually done an incredible job of like coaching me through um, having patience with our kids. And, and, and um, I was raised in a family where um, there's no question my mom loved us all to death, but she was very prone to raising her tone with us. Um, and uh, definitely something, as we were talking about earlier, kind of swinging the pendulum, like something I want to avoid. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it all kind of ties back to that that patience piece. So. Well, and I just would have to say that watching both of you lead your families and, and be dads, um, you do a really incredible job of that transition. I mean, I've you know, been in your home enough, Kip, to see that happen, you know, those times. And I think often we as stay-at-home moms specifically can tend to just dump on the dad when he comes home, when he comes in the door, like, okay, I've done my time now. (laughs) Here you go. And I do think it's really important for those of us who, it it looks different in every relationship, obviously, because, you know, there are moms who work outside of the home and all of that. And we have a whole um, range of listeners. And so this is just speaking from what we know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think sometimes, Heidi, it's easy for us because like we're, that's our office. Home mm-hmm. is our office. Mm-hmm. And like we want to be done at five o'clock too. Yeah. <laughs> but we don't get to be done with our job at five yeah. o'clock. Okay. It continues. And, and so it's easy for us to be like, okay, now it's your turn. Yeah. And I think as women, as moms, we have to be really sensitive mm-hmm. to that that time that they need, that shift. Like, mindful of it. Mindful of it. And just, and recognize that they're coming off of a, a really intense, you know, work day probably. And we're coming off of an intense home day, um, but being sensitive to each other through that time. It's There's a reason they call it, you know, witching hour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think, Heather, I think of this too. So in Kip's specific case, he is in sales, but he has a sales director. So he has to be in submission 
to his sales director all day long, every day, Mm -hmm. and them constantly, you know, asking him, what are you going to do for me today? Mm -hmm. And no matter how well he's done yesterday, they want him to do better today. And so yet then he shifts into my world Mm -hmm. and I want him to be in the position of authority. Right. And I don't want to have to be the position of making the decisions and like, I want to get to submit to him. And so, I mean, it's such a cultural shift, you know, of like, submit to your boss, now be in charge of me. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) So, I mean, it's a big, that's a big deal. And I'm sure that is that way for whether it's men or women listening, Mm -hmm. if you're the leader in your family, that's a big mm-hmm. responsibility. Mm-hmm. We struggle so. with that with Chris traveling because mm-hmm. when he's gone, I'm in charge. Yeah. yeah, I run the household. Yeah, and then he comes home, and he's in charge, yeah. and I want him to be. But that transition can look yeah. really tricky sometimes. But I, I think too, it's when you have a healthy marriage. It's not about, um, you know, like Kip's in charge. I have to submit to his will. It's we're a team, right? But it's learning how to f- like. Find your roles again. Mm-hmm. Get back into mm-hmm. sync, even if it's just one day. Sometimes it's you know. just about control. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Well, and we talked. That was a that was a big and it was a it was a significant dialogue that we had Heidi and I because um, it finally got to that point where we're like, hey, we need to figure out this transition because um, it was just as you described, Heather. You go, I come home. She's had a really long day. She's ready to hey take the kids go do something. Um, and I'm trying to readjust and it, it definitely took some dialogue between yeah. us and trying to figure out what that some looks grace. like and, and grace yeah. both on both our part, like her mm-hmm. understanding that I needed, you know, even if it was 10 minutes to shift gears right. and, and me appreciating that, Hey, like she's been with the kids all day long. Right. I need to get, take them as quickly as possible. Cause she need, she's trying to get dinner on the table and she's tired and then, you know, right. so, um, having that grace for each other, for sure. I love that you said that, that dialogue, cause that's really what it takes is communication. Yes. It's talking about it and it's being able to put yourself even just for a moment in the other person's shoes, mm-hmm. see it from their perspective and talk about it. And that's usually enough to yeah. figure out the situation. Yeah. So Chris, what about you? What are, what do you feel like are the, the areas or the thing that you failed in, in this role? Um, I think that the presence is, is probably what I have failed in the most. And, um, whether it's, you know, I'm 24 seven sales guy. So yeah, I can, and we've struggled with that transition too. Like even when I'm, when I'm not traveling and, and coming home, I have a 30 minute commute, but early on in that journey, I was bringing stuff home and I had to learn to leave it in the truck hmm. and process that. And now I'm, I'm, I've learned a such better rhythm of whether I'm listening to something, you know, specifically a podcast or whether I'm just have it quiet and I'm, I'm talking to Jesus on the way home, just that decompression on the way home. Um, but whatever the, everybody's different, whatever that looks like different for everybody. And so that figuring out that rhythm, I think is really important. But then when I get home, I'm not necessarily off the clock. I still sometimes have to take phone calls and answer emails. And, um, you know, my mind's always whirling about kingdom things, really good things. But the most important thing is my wife and my family. And so sometimes I've failed at, um, I need to put the phone down and focus on, my daughter that wants to show me a gymnastics trick the right, that's right in front of me, or <laughs> my son that wants to play hockey in the driveway, or my wife that wants to have a conversation. Like, um, 
yeah, that's what I need to work on. Mm. That's good. Thanks for your honesty, guys. That's yeah. really good. Yeah. Do either of you ever feel inadequate to lead your family, um, specifically spiritually? Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm glad you asked that question because um, for those that don't know our story, so I, I grew up in basically what I would describe as a very typical Christian home. And what and I don't mean that in a negative way. What what I mean by that is that we 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 attended church regularly. You know, my parents were believers. Um we were very diligent about, you know, Sunday school and church and um they I think my parents did uh, uh an okay job of imparting biblical wisdom into us, but it was very hit or miss. And so the the routine wasn't there. And so um, a lot of the effort was kind of, um, uh, we didn't make a lot of progress. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I married my wife, who is basically a biblical scholar. (laughs) (laughs) And um, it was very intimidating. And, um, you know, I, I think she, I thought when you prayed, it was super sexy. Yeah, so that's good. <laughs> yeah, she did a really good job of like explaining that it it wasn't it wasn't necessarily the having verse for verse memorized or knowing the theology behind you know this version of the Bible versus that version of the Bible that it was what's the condition of the heart and mm-hmm. and what is your desire and my desire absolutely was to lead my family, um, and. Also to be, and, and this isn't like me building myself up, but this is just saying like, I, like I became okay very quickly and early on in our relationship with her being um, who she was. Like she had incredible mm-hmm. wisdom. She had incredible spiritual maturity and being okay with that and not being intimidated by that. And so um, it was uh, very difficult at first for us to kind of find our groove. Um, well, we found our groove. <laughs> yeah, we found it. Yeah, our spiritual, oh, you mean our spiritual oh, okay. groove. Yeah. Okay. Oh, um, Lord have mercy. Oh, wow. <laughs> hey. So I would I would just say um, that for us, and I, and I think this is probably goes for a lot of people. Like I just had to become very okay with the awkward, hmm. meaning that. Um, she knew a lot about the Bible. I knew, I knew obviously all the kind of core tenets, but but I couldn't quote verse for verse, you know, so on and so forth. Um, and so just being very okay with the awkwardness of that. And I think that that's, as guys, right, we, we have this innate desire to be like, I know how to do this. I know how to fix it. I know, like, I don't need to read the instructions. Um, <laughs> and so... Um, just humbling yourself and and maybe it's having a conversation with your spouse and being like, Hey, um, this is going to be awkward. I, I don't know a lot about how to do this, but we're going to figure this out together. Maybe, maybe, you know, your spouse isn't, um, a biblical scholar even better. Like, Hey, we're going to fumble through this together and Mm -hmm. it's going to be awkward together. And we're going to pray together and we're going to read the Bible together. And even like, I think a, an epiphany moment for me was, you know, we were here we are, you know, reading the Bible together and there were words that I couldn't even pronounce. 
And here's Heidi, who's read the Bible like five times cover to cover. And I'm like, hey, hun, how do you, you know, how do you say this word? She's like, I don't know. I'm like, all right. <laughs> we're, we're, we're now we're not so far off. Work with that. Yeah, I can work yeah. with that. So just, you know, just embrace the awkward, embrace mm-hmm. that, hey, it's a process and just, you know, have fun with it. I mean, well, I think of a story in our marriage, Kip. We'd been married a short amount of time, less than two years, I think. And we were talking about praying together. And you did a really good job. You've done a really good job our whole marriage of praying out loud over us at night. Now that we have kids, you know, you pray over our kids. And then at night you pray over me and our family and whatever is going on. Um, And that's always, it's always been a highlight of our marriage. But I didn't remember to tell you that. And so it came up in our marriage where you said, I just feel so... I feel inadequate to lead you spiritually. And I I just don't, I don't feel like I do a good job leading. And I just thought, how can he not think he's a good leader? If he, has he heard himself pray? Wow. And you hadn't told him. I hadn't told him. Wow. And so I said, do you, I, when you pray over us, it is the most intimate, Mm -hmm. humbling experience to hear the words you speak to the father God about us, about Mm -hmm. me on Mm -hmm. our behalf. And I remember like this look on your face, I'll never forget it, of like you were just shocked Hmm. that I was impressed by that. Hmm. And I've not forgotten that because you, that's something you've never failed at. You've never failed at praying over us. Hmm. Um, Like there's been maybe moments where we haven't gone to prayer first, but for the most part, that's been a strength of yours. Hmm. And that's been such an attraction to me is that you pray and it's not like, I don't ever hear you pray and think, Oh my gosh, get over yourself, like in the prayer, you know, like don't try to sound spiritual. It's just so genuine and so real. Yeah, that's not ever a problem. And <laughs> <laughs> No, but it's good. I like that because it's real. You know, I feel like I'm yeah. having a conversation with you yeah. and, and I like that genuineness of feeling like you just, you pull the seat up for Jesus to join the conversation and you talk to him about us. And so for the men listening that might feel like, Man, I'm praying for my wife, but I just don't know if this is making any sense. Mm-hmm. I promise you, mm-hmm. if you're praying for your family, it is connecting. Mm-hmm. Oh, thanks. Real quick on that and to tie up those loose ends. So one thing on prayer that I think um, I feel compelled to share is that we. I, I feel like we, I think Heidi is, um, she's being very generous with her, with her um, praise of, our prayer life. I, I would, I would describe it as, um, it could be better. That's and, your perspective but, though. But the reason I say that is in this will get to my point. The reason I say that is because we, we will go seasons where we're really good about mm-hmm. it. And then we will go days where kids are up late. Mm-hmm. We're tired. Yep. All this sort of thing. And I will tell you mm-hmm. the number one way that the enemy lies to you is like, Hey, you didn't pray for her last night. Yeah. What's tonight matter? Yeah. And then, hey, you didn't pray for her two nights in a row. What does it matter tonight? Mm. And it is at least, I don't know if anybody else feels that way. Mm. I don't know if anybody else hears those lies, but mm. that is like the deafening lie that I hear, at least when it comes to Heidi and I, you know, we put the kids to bed. We're, we're, we're militant about praying with our children every night mm-hmm. a night doesn't go by without praying but, but by the time we get them to bed mm-hmm. we get ready for bed we climb into bed you know i think like a lot of people were exhausted yeah. and it's like you hear you hear the like you hear 
it's, I, I, I don't honestly believe that you have a, an angel on one shoulder and a demon on the yeah. other, but you do hear these dialogue, yeah. right? You hear this dialogue of like, Hey, you need to pray for your wife. Yeah. And then you hear this dialogue of, Hey, what does it matter tonight? Mm. And so I would just, it, it, mm. so I would, I would encourage our listeners. And this is me speaking to myself as much as anybody like, Hey, if it's been two days, if it's been a week, if it's been six months, like start tonight. Yeah. Like it, it, yeah. and if you do three nights and you miss three nights, so be it. Like mm-hmm. just yeah. every night is a new night. Yeah. Take the opportunity. So good. Yeah. I, well, one, this is why I love having conversations with you, Kip. You're one of my most favorite people in the world to converse with because like, you you don't sugarcoat it. Like, yeah. You just say it the way that it is. And I, that people need to hear that. Yeah. They need to hear like, my prayer life isn't perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, I might go days. I might, you know, we we need to talk about those things more yeah. openly. Yeah. Like these are all of the ways that I am not perfect. Because mm-hmm. it's really easy for us to sit here and say like, my husband prays over me and it's wonderful. And then people have these expectations of, well, my husband never doesn't pray over me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or my husband has only prayed over me two times. And I like, yeah. this is so good. And these are these are why we're asking these questions is because so many people... And men specifically, which is who we're talking to right now, feel like they failed in these areas. Yeah. And I just felt like the Holy Spirit said, but God doesn't keep score. Mm-hmm. Yeah. God yeah. is not keeping score mm-hmm. that you've prayed three nights and mm-hmm. then you've missed three nights. Yeah. He's not. You are. Mm-hmm. Because the devil is wanting to use that score to lie to you that you are a failure. Yeah. And that is, that's a lie from the devil. And so yeah. just remember that. Like maybe you haven't ever prayed over your family or your wife. You can start tonight. But you don't have to be perfect. Absolutely. You just have to start. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay, Chris. So you're up. What's the question? What makes me feel <laughs> inadequate? What makes you feel like you failed in the areas of leading oh, or, right. or inadequate? Yeah. I think I think all men feel inadequate leading spiritually. And I think why is it's because we have an enemy that's yeah. real yeah. and we're attacked from him because of that. God originally created Adam to do two things, to cultivate the garden, to, so to nurture his family, in other words, and to defend his family. So those are, those are the two things that men are created to do. Um, and I think Satan lies to us and tells us none of us are good enough when God's put everything that we need right in our hands. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, that doesn't mean we're going to be perfect, like Kip said, but, man, we've we've got to do something. Like, don't do nothing, do something. Mm-hmm. So if you've never prayed before, like take one one step that you've never done before. Yeah. If you've never prayed for your kids before bedtime or your wife, like start tonight. Yeah. Do that. Like lead in some way spiritually. And it's not you may feel awkward, but they're gonna feel just mm, rocked so valued. by it. Yeah. So yeah. valued by it. Yeah. And it's just alive in the enemy to say that um that you're inadequate or yeah. you're unqualified because yeah. God put that in you. Yeah. So yeah, I feel that all the time. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But we have to counter those lies with the truth. It's really good. Okay, guys. So the other day I was reading in one of my daily devotionals that I read from. It's a very old book, but it's just so timely for me every single day. It's called Streams in the Desert. And um, it was really talking about our personal interaction with the Lord. And this is the quote. I want to read it to you and I want to get your perspective on it. If we do not get back to visions peeps into heaven, consciousness of the higher glory and the larger life, we shall lose our religion. 
our altar will become a bare stone unblessed by visitant from heaven. Here is what the world needs today, men who see their Lord. Mm-hmm. And that struck me so powerfully for a couple reasons. One, because recently, especially I've experienced this with my own husband, with you, Chris, where I've seen you, I've seen you pour yourself out to the Lord and spend so much time with him. And you have, you have just, you have been so overwhelmed and blessed by those moments of spending time with the Lord. Um, but I want to know what does spending time with Jesus look like for you? And I'm not saying, I don't want the pat answer. Mm -hmm. I want the like specific, what does it look like for you? How do you make that happen in your busy dad, husband, work lives? Um, you know, so again, kind of candid answer, right? Um, it's that, it's that, um, it's that daily battle of, of trying to, to make time. Um, and there's all these competing priorities, seven-year-olds, four-year-olds and two-year-olds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And when they wake up at six thirty, five thirty, four thirty, like it, 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 it messes with whatever, um, cadence you think you might have as it relates to spending time with the Lord. So, um, I, I would say that for me personally, it, it comprises a few different aspects. So, um, spending time in the word, um, it, it, you obviously there like that, that has to be a priority. That being said, <laughs> life is life, right? And, um, so, uh, when it relates to me, I, I try to do it in the morning um, either before the kids get up or after we've had morning coffee, I take my shower and I get to my office and I spend, you know, 10 or 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's critical because the word is going, the word, is, the word is critical. Like, mm-hmm. and we can have a whole different podcast about that. Yeah. Um, personally for me, where I feel like I connect with the Lord more is in worship. And Heidi and I have had this conversation a lot. For me, worship is um, like, I can't even explain it. And, and, and it's it's funny because I'm the most musically illiterate person that's <laughs> ever walked the face of the planet. Um, our good friend Phil's trying to teach me some of the verbiage and some of the things that go into production and stuff. But for me, it really just comes down to I'm behind the wheel a lot Mm -hmm. and I have an incredible opportunity to turn on worship music, turn out the world Mm -hmm. and just worship. And I can sing as off key and out of tune as my guts will allow me and nobody's going to judge me. Mm -hmm. And it just is the most refreshing thing in my life, you know, hearing new music having the opportunity to worship and just do it freely without um, anyone um, having to hear me sound like a cat out of tune. So, <laughs> um, so that's, that. that's really critical. And then um, I, you know, all of us um, listen to podcasts and, and to varying degree, uh, you know, again, candidly, I have lots of interests. And so um, I'll listen to, you know, ministry podcasts, um, hunting podcasts, uh, all sorts of different podcasts. But um, we have a number of different podcasts that we that I think collectively as a group we listen to and could recommend to people that 
um, are so encouraging. And, and, and I'm, I'm the type of person where it's like, I'll listen to a few podcasts and then, you know, one will come around that is a faith podcast. I'm like, oh, I need to listen to more. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it just is like, it's so encouraging. So mm-hmm. that that's kind of, that's where, you know, it's kind of those three buckets for me. That's good. Christopher? Um, this is my favorite subject ever. <laughs> so um, it's a, I think it's an ongoing process for me. Um, I am not perfect at at this, but I I think in the last year or two, um, it's really um, ampli- been amplified in my life. And I, I think when you men, uh, most men compartmentalize everything, mm-hmm. and Jesus wants to blow those compartments out of the block a box. Hmm out of the way Uh, he wants the spirit to like infiltrate every aspect of your life and for men that might be a hard concept but when paul says things like pray without ceasing like that's an interesting concept when you like if you if you take it that at first glance like well okay I'm praying without ceasing, so I can't go to work. No, it's <laughs> it's a mindset. It's a heart set, yeah. if you will. It, it all starts with the condition of your heart and in your heart crying out for... It's making Jesus your ultimate treasure. And there's a story that Jesus tells of, of this widow that's going to a judge. And this judge won't give her the answer. It won't give her the right verdict. But she keeps persisting. She keeps going to him so much so that she, that he finally relents. And then he says, that's like us going to the Father. Mm-hmm. And he says, in another place, he says, keep knocking, keep seeking, keep asking. It's this, as relentless as he is towards us, he wants us to be that towards him. Mm-hmm. He wants He wants us to seek that treasure in him. And make him that ultimate treasure. And when you finally get to that place and realize that he's the most fulfilling thing that you could ever go after in your life, then that's all you seek. And I'm I'm starting. I'm not perfect. I am not saying that. I, I but I'm starting to to find this rhythm in my life of of seeking the ultimate treasure of Jesus. And it's like there's nothing else. And when you do that, everything else is added. Hmm. Um, Romans 8, when, when I think about praying without ceasing, the, the Romans 8 concept of what Paul says in there really helps me because he says um, all, all creation is crying out to God. And he says um, the Spirit of God, when you don't have the words to say, the Spirit of God translates your groanings mm-hmm. into the right words for Jesus. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like if your heart condition is right and it's it's like groaning and you don't even have the words for the struggles and the stuff that you're going mm-hmm. through. Mm-hmm. If you're like if you're if you're pushing towards Him and 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 focused on Him and just this groaning towards him, the spirit takes those groanings and he translates that into the right words in, into the throne. Mm. And there's just something beautiful that happens in that process. Mm. So I don't know. It's, it's an ongoing process for me that Mm. I'm, that I'm really enjoying right now. 
Um, I, I think one, like Kip said, and I fail at this a lot, but I find my day goes better if I start the war- the day with the word. Yeah. Um, the other day we had, we started a Bible study at Starbucks just close to our house here and 11 guys showed up and we dug into the word and it was so powerful. Mm-hmm. Like it charged the rest of my day. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'd love to say that I start every single day off like that, mm-hmm. but I don't, I, I fail at that. But when I do start them off like that, whether it's in a group of guys or by myself, my day is awesome. But I think it's this mindset of breaking down the compartments and just going after God 24-7. Like, what does that look like? I'm not trying to over-spiritualize something. I'm not saying you don't enjoy every other thing. It just enhances every other thing. Yeah. 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 I think what was interesting, if I could interject real quick, was... um, for me, the turning point in starting um, my day was instead of making it a checklist thing, where it's like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm a good Christian, I should read my Bible, blah, 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 blah. Um, it became uh, two things. One, our brother-in-law, Isaac, um, Bennett, your guys' brother, mm-hmm. um, shared that he had a shift where instead of um, quantity, it became quality. Mm-hmm. And, and even if it was a verse yeah. that he wanted to read a verse, that's all he had time for, mm-hmm. read a verse and just kind of meditate on that for mm-hmm. the day. And and that's not necessarily, I didn't take that, you know, f- fully what he did, but just like, hey, if I have the opportunity to read, you know, a whole chapter, great. Yeah. If I have an opportunity to read two verses, mm-hmm. okay, then that's what it's going to be. And I'm going to take that and I'm going to, I'm going to think about what that looks like in yeah. my life today. Yeah. That's a good point, Kip, because even, even the demons believe Jesus and tremble. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But so you can read something as just an obligation and it does nothing for you, or yeah. you can allow it to actually sink in with your when your heart condition is mm-hmm. ready to sink in and take some root, mm-hmm. and then then the word like does something. Mm-hmm. Well, There's... and I, I think guys, you can so many Christians can feel like they're on the treadmill of yeah. spiritual activity mm-hmm. where they have to do all the things right, right. Yep. in order to be this quote unquote good Christian, and yet, you know, Jesus says, "Hey, renew your mind today." Mm-hmm. And you're going to be more like me. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, so really, if that's what it is, then a moment with Jesus is enough. A touch from Jesus yeah. is enough. A verse from Jesus is yeah. going to be enough yeah. to renew some, our mind. I heard something recently that really stuck with me. Somebody had asked Billy Graham like a year or two before he died, what was one thing that he regretted um, in his life? Which is a strange question to ask Billy Graham. Yeah. Right. And he said, he said, I wish I would have spent more time with Jesus. Wow. And that like stuck me. Yeah. Like, wow. Wow. Hmm. Okay, guys. Well, this is a great conversation. Thank you for your vulnerability and your honesty. And so I, much think, candor. Mm-hmm. I think a, a lot of people are going to be encouraged by what you have to say. Feel like they're not alone. Yeah. Um, we have a lot more questions, and so we're going to hit pause on this episode, and we're going to actually extend. We've never done this before. We've never done this. 
You just all the wisdom. You're so full of so much wisdom. We have to put you in two episodes. Mm-hmm. So thank you so much for listening to this episode. Yeah. We are going to extend this and please check in next week yeah. for the follow-up because you're not going to want to miss these next questions, Heidi. These are these are the ones, some of the ones I've been waiting to get yeah. to because I feel like what's coming up is so valuable and so relevant. Yeah. And it changes lives. It changes marriages and families. And um, so you men listening, if you have guys in your life that need to hear this podcast, mm-hmm. would you please share it with them and let them know that this is just a gift that we want to be able to give them that um, we can share and help help them know that they feel super ordinary. Yeah. But you know what? So do our men. Yeah. So it's okay. So thank you so much for listening and we will chat with you next time. 